want to say special thank you to the praise team this morning. Um, Brother Shane, if y'all notice, he's not still cooking pancakes. Um, Brother Shane uh, is sick, and so he is not able to be here this morning. And so uh, we didn't find that out till yesterday, but I'm thankful for the praise team and their willingness to come and lead us through worship and song. So thank y'all very much for that instrumentalist and praise team this morning. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We are uh, back in Acts. If you weren't with us two weeks ago, or if you were with us two weeks ago, but two weeks in snow time seems like six weeks ago. So I wanted to give you a, just a real quick recap of what we saw as we began the book of Acts two weeks ago. Now, if you weren't with us, I know some people say, oh, I don't like it when preachers preach through books because if they do and I miss one, I just feel like I've lost the whole thing and I don't know what I'm doing. Listen, we, that is available to you. You can, if you do Facebook, that sermon is on the church's Facebook page, that introduction to Acts. If you do podcasts, uh, it's available through podcast form. If you don't do any of those, call the church office and we will burn you a CD of that sermon. If you want to hear it, we want you to be able to hear that as we set, set up the book of Acts and saw the background of it. But we saw just kind of a sneak preview or, or real quick recap is that this book, the book of Acts, is written by Luke, the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke. Uh, and so in it, we see that the gospel of Luke was kind of like the first section of his writing. And so in it, he shows that Jesus is God and that he left heaven. He shows the incarnation, right? Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth in human flesh. And then he he tells us about that birth narrative and he shows us Jesus' life and and teaches us many of Jesus' teachings and shows us a glimpse into Jesus' ministry and how he interacted with people and how he lived that perfect life without ever sinning. And he records Jesus' death on the cross uh, as he made atonement for the sins of all people that come to him. And he shows Jesus' glorious resurrection. And he even goes and shows the ascension as Jesus leaves and goes back to heaven. And so it seems like that covers all of it. But then he starts the book of Acts and says, in the last book, in the gospel account, I showed you all that Jesus began to do and teach. And it reminds us that Jesus is not done with his work here yet. But he is now working through his people. At this time, the disciples, the apostles, but now through the church. And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's where we're picking up today. We see that introduction. And today we see our first glimpse of what that's going to look like. What is it going to look like when the Holy Spirit gives people the power to do God's work. So look with me in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, So when they had come together, speaking of the disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And so I just want to stop there for a second because as we kind of want to get into the mindset of what's happening here, right? They have, at this point, seen Jesus die and they have seen him come back to life. And Jesus has spent a considerable amount of time with them now and has showed them many things and taught them and opened their minds to understand many of the things of the Old Testament and how those things point to him and how those things were prophesying about him. And at this point, they're meeting with him 
for one last time. They don't realize it yet, but this is the last time that they're going to meet with him here on earth. And so they gather together, and they're with Jesus, and they know all this stuff is taking place, right? They know he's the Messiah, and he's come, and he's already made atonement for sins on the cross, and now he's come back to, to life. And so they, they think that maybe now is the point, because you have to realize that these men are mainly Jewish men with a strong Jewish background. So their hope has always been that when the Messiah comes, he's going to make, he's going to make Israel great again, right? That's kind of the idea that they have. Israel is going to become a world superpower when the Messiah comes. So they've been expecting that, and they know that Jesus is the Messiah. And so they say, now that you've done all of this, are you going to make Israel into this great superpower again? And what this shows us, it's not the main point of the text, but as I read this, I couldn't help but just be slapped in the face by this. What it shows me, at least, is that we are all too often influenced by our background and our worldview and our parents and where we grew up. And we see things that way and we so often miss the point. Right? The point of Jesus' coming was not to make Israel a superpower. The point of Jesus' coming was to offer salvation to everyone. Right? The point of Jesus' coming was to to make atonement for sins. The point of Jesus coming was to make it so that if you respond in faith to him, that you would be reconciled to God the Father. That's why Jesus came. It wasn't, and they just, they've missed it. And it's easy for us to bash the disciples here and say, oh, I can't believe these men, they didn't get it. But what it, the reason I told you it slaps me in the face is because it reminds me that there are a lot of times that I look at Scripture, and all of a sudden I realize that I've been looking at things wrong too. I've been selfish. I've wanted things my way. I've thought that things should be done differently. But the truth is, it's just simply because we often don't get the point. And point one this morning is this. We are constantly in need of Christ's direction and guidance. And I pray that, that you don't miss that this morning. I pray that you recognize that you and I are often tainted because of the sinfulness that we've lived in for so long and that you and I often see even the work that God wants us to do through our own lens through our own worldview but the truth is he has a perfect plan and we often need to be reminded we need to spend time in the scriptures we need to spend time in prayer so that we're not going about it our own way so that we're not living our lives the way that we want to. We need to be seeking His direction. You're going to see that in just a second. These men come, and these are men, right, they've spent years walking with Jesus and hearing His teaching and seeing how He interacts with people. They've seen Him die, they've seen Him come back to life, and they don't get it. So how much more do you and I need to be in the Scriptures? Because we are not going to get it all the time as well. Brothers and sisters, we have to constantly be reminded of who we are and who God is and who God wants us to be. We need to be in the scriptures because it's not just the disciples that didn't get it. We're in that same boat. And Jesus makes that clear. Look with me in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And in, this, in these two verses, especially verse 8, I believe we do see the main point of this text. Now, verse 7 is basically Jesus answering them and saying, that's none of your business, right? I don't think in a mean way, or, but I, Jesus, they say, hey, is this the plan now? And Jesus says, listen, you don't need to be worried about the overarching plan. There's a specific role that you have to play, and I want you to be focused on the role that we have for you. What is the role that God has for these disciples? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so I really want us to spend some time hashing out this verse 8. What does this look like? What does this mean for us? I want to go ahead and give it to you in, in point form, and then we'll break it down. But point two, the disciples' role was to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus. And Ms. Diane, if you would leave that up there for a minute, because I know it's kind of long. For those of you that take notes, I want you to have time to write that down. But this is the role that they have. And it's not just the role that they have, it's the role that we have. This is our calling as well, right? This is a specific thing for followers of Christ after Christ has ascended back to heaven. After Christ went back to heaven, this is one of the main roles of disciples, is to be his witnesses. Now, we're going to work back through this. We are supposed to be his witnesses. How are we going to have the power to be his witnesses? Because God's going to give us power. How is he going to give us power? He's going to give us power through the Holy Spirit. So let's start there. Just a brief reminder. I know a lot of you grew up in church. And you've been in church for a long time. And you understand. But just in case some of us haven't. And because we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. I want to be clear about what we mean. What Jesus means here when he says the Holy Spirit. Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit, in our language, the way that we like to say it, is the third person of the Trinity. In Scripture, he is referred to as the Spirit of God multiple times. And he's also referred to as the Helper. And so the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God as much as God the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is God, right? These are three. They are one and the same. And it's hard. I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning trying to explain how we understand the Trinity, three and one, but I want you to know this. When he says the Holy Spirit's coming upon you, what that means is that God is going to live inside of you. If you are a Christian, that God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit, will dwell inside of you. I have several scriptures I'm going to run through briefly here. We're not going to comment on them, but just listen to these. Acts 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. John 14.26 Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Good gifts. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And then John fifteen seven and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, Jesus said that. Jesus said to the disciples, It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper 
will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, this text is not a treatise on the Holy Spirit, so I'm not going to spend... But what I want you to see is that it is clear that Christians have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It is clear that the Holy Spirit is God. And so when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, what we understand is that Jesus is telling us is that as Christians, God will come and live inside of us. And so I want you to hear that this morning. If you're a Christian, God is living inside of you. So the power needed to be Jesus' witnesses is not your own power. God has provided you with the power that you need for that. And so that's what we see. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. How are we going to benefit from the Holy Spirit? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, we're going to receive power. And if you put those two together, it means that you have the power of God living inside of you. The God that created everything, the God that sustains everything, the God that holds everything together, the God that, that walks on water, the God that heals people, the God that does all these things, is living inside of you, providing you that type. Now, am I telling you that because you have the Holy Spirit that you can go and put mud on a, on a blind man's eyes and he'll be able to see? I'm not telling you for sure that you can do that, but I'm not telling you that it's not available. I'm not telling you that the Holy Spirit can't do that because we've seen God do that. Right? Am I telling you that you can create your own worlds? No, that's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm telling you is the God that has that kind of power is inside of you. And a lot of you have heard this before, but it is interesting. The, the Greek word for power that we see here is dynamis, and it's, the same, it's where we get the root for the word dynamite because it shows the amount of power inside of a package. But I can tell you this, the power of dynamite is nothing compared to the power of God. It's just a neat little fact to know. The truth is, what we see is that God is living in us. And he's giving us all the power that we need, more power than we need, to do more things than we have ever done before. Power that is beyond our comprehension, living inside of us. And then we see the last part, what are we to do with that power? What is the specific role that Jesus talks about here? Now, there are other things, right? Making disciples and and preparing people for the work of evangelism and studying and reading and understanding the things Jesus said. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do all these things. But specifically here today, what we see is the Holy Spirit also gives us power to be witnesses. Now, most of you have seen enough legal dramas that I don't have to explain what it looks like to be a witness, right? We all understand the idea, and, and it's literally talking about here an eyewitness or an earwitness. You are testifying, telling something that you have seen or that you have heard. That's what Jesus says. He says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and when you do, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power to go tell people what you've seen and what you've heard. Now, we haven't seen and heard Jesus in the same way that these men had seen and heard Jesus. But, brothers and sisters, Daryl Bach, in his commentary on Acts, uses a term here that I absolutely love. He refers to the apostles as people that had experienced Jesus. And I can tell you this, you may not have walked on the earth 
in human form with Jesus. But if you are a Christian, you have experienced Jesus. You have experienced forgiveness of sins. You have experienced going from being dead to being alive. You have experienced what it looks like to be reconciled to God. You have experienced what it looks like to be living an abundant life. If you are a Christian, you have experienced that. And so what you are called to be, what they were called to be, is not a pastor. It's not a preacher. It's not a, a seminary professor. It's not a theological debater. A lot of times we think, I can't do it. I don't know enough scripture. I can't debate and convince people. But all that you are called to do here in Acts 1-8 is to be a witness. Tell people what you have seen. You don't have to explain how Jesus came back from the dead. Just tell people that he did. You have experienced that truth. You've read that truth in scripture. You are convinced of that truth. So tell people that it happened. You were dead and now you're alive. You have been born again. You don't have to be able to explain how the Holy Spirit causes people to be regenerate. You just know that it happened to you. Some of you have gone in to have knee replacement surgery. And a few months after Nick gets done making you hurt, you feel better. And you don't have to explain to people, well, they cut this bone and these muscles, and they took this out. You don't have all you know is this. Listen, my knee hurt for months and months, and I had this surgery, and now my knee feels better. Brothers and sisters, we're just called to be witnesses of what we know, what you have seen, what you have heard, what you understand from the scriptures. So these men were supposed to be witnesses for Christ. So what did that mean? That meant telling people the gospel. And I know this, every single one of you at least knows the gospel. How can I say that so confidently? Because if you don't, then you're not a Christian. Every one of you that is a Christian knows the gospel. Because if you don't know about sin separating you from God, and if you don't know about Jesus' perfect life and perfect death in your place, and if you don't know that when you make Him Lord... Call on Him in faith and repent of your sins that you were made new. If you don't know at least that much, then you're not a Christian because you have to have responded in faith in order to be saved. And if you know that, then brothers and sisters, you know more than so many people in this world. And so this is what Jesus says here. This is, I believe, I'm fully convinced, the main point of this text. Jesus has empowered His disciples. These disciples and these disciples. He has empowered His disciples with his spirit to go and tell his gospel to a desperate world. You hear how much of that is him and how little of that is us? Right? We are his disciples. We're given power by his spirit to go and tell his gospel. It's his good news. He's the one that made it true. And we're supposed to go and tell it to a desperate world, to lost people, to dead people, to people that are going to hell if something doesn't happen, and we have the news that they need to hear. And so he says, go tell it. And it can't be missed. Where is that supposed to take place? Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so he just starts where they are and goes out. So for us, that'd be like saying, uh, you need to go and be Jesus' witnesses in Wesson, in Brookhaven, in Mississippi, in the United States, and to the end of the earth, right? 
everywhere you go, everywhere that you can imagine, you need to be witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then verses 9 through 11 paint this mental picture for me that I absolutely love. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And there's a lot there that we could spend a lot of time on this morning, right? That, that he is going to return the same way that he went up. But we're not going to spend too much time there this morning. But, but I see this picture... And it reiterates what I've already seen in this text. In this text, I've already seen the disciples saying, Hey, Jesus, now are you going to restore the kingdom? And he says, That's not what you need to be focused on. What you need to be focused on is being my witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit. And so now Jesus is taken up into heaven, and I just see, I don't know if you can see it, but I see this mental picture of all these men just standing here doing this. And all of a sudden, two angels show up and say, why in the world are you just staring into the sky? What are you doing? Don't you know that you have a task? Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And I think that has to be a reminder, right? Jesus says, go and tell people the gospel. And these men say, listen, he's coming back. Just like you saw him go, he's coming back, which has to be an emphasis to go and start sharing the gospel. So I said, why are you standing here staring into the sky? Go get to work. Go and wait like he told you so that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be ready to do what he's called you to do. Point three, Christians shouldn't idly wait for Christ's return, but should be about his work. And it wasn't just for these men. It wasn't their job to stand there staring into the sky. It was, for their, it was their job to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the Holy Spirit. That was their staging place so that when they received the Spirit, they could start being witnesses. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, you've already received the Spirit. So if you are spending your time just twiddling your thumbs until Christ comes back, you're not doing what you've been called to do. If we're just huddled up, coming to church and going to our house and not ever sharing the gospel with anyone else, and we're not doing what we're called to do. If evangelism sounds to you like something that missionaries, career missionaries are supposed to do, then you haven't understood it correctly. Because what this says is that if you're a disciple, then you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have power. And if you have power, then you're supposed to be a witness of what you've seen and what you know. So I ask you this morning... What do you have to tell about Jesus? Because if you're here this morning and you don't have anything that you can personally tell about Jesus, if you are here this morning and you know that you can tell about going to church and you can tell about being a church member and you can tell about being in Sunday school and you can tell about what your dad and your granddad did, but you can't tell about what it means to be forgiven of your sins. You can't tell what it feels like to go from being dead to now being alive. Then, brothers and sisters, you may need to re-examine your life. Because this morning, you may be a church member, but not be a Christian. And so I pray that maybe if the Lord has used even this text this morning to help you to recognize your need for Him, 
that you would respond to him in that way. That you would respond in faith and give your life to him. But I also pray this morning that if you are here and you're a Christian, that you would spend some time examining yourself. Because you don't lack for anything you need. We know what we need to know. We've experienced what we've experienced, and we've been given the power that we need to have to go and be his witnesses. So I ask you, are you witnessing about Christ? Are you telling friends and co-workers about Christ? Are you telling people that you meet about Christ? It's what we're called to do. I think we all need to be better at it. If you would like some training in evangelism, let me know. I would love to talk to you about that. If you would like some resources that you could use to help share, let me know. We have resources. We can get you those things. But we need to be proactively looking for opportunities to share about what Christ has done in our life. We don't need to just be sitting around waiting till he comes back. So this morning, uh, Miss Jan is going to come and play for us. We're not going to sing uh, this morning, but I do want you to spend some time reflecting. You can just stay seated where you are, and some of you may want to pray, and some of you may just want to contemplate deeply on these truths. But for just a moment, if you would, think about these things. Think about what it is that you need to do better, and ask the Lord to help you to do those things. If you have a question, if you would like to talk to me, I'm here. I'm available to you. If not, if you would spend some time thinking about these things this morning.